experts in engineering and manufacturing solutions that meet the industry's water needs. This is The Intake, a podcast hosted by Atlas SSI. Hello and welcome to The Intake, a podcast brought to you by Atlas SSI. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Now, over the years, Atlas SSI has partnered many times with Con Edison, one of the world's largest energy delivery systems, to help solve problems and create solutions. And so we're going to talk a lot about that today. And joining me to talk about the success of these projects and how they've worked together is Gary Thorne, manager of steam plant projects for Con Edison. Gary, thank you so much for being here. Good to be here. Absolutely. And uh, as I mentioned before, Con Edison operates one of the world's largest energy delivery systems. Founded in 1823 as the New York Gas Light Company, their electric, gas, and steam service now provides energy for the 10 million people who live in New York City and Westchester County. Also joining us today is Rodney Brown. He's regional sales manager at Atlas SSI. Rodney, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. Excellent. It's good to talk to you, Rodney. And Atlas SSI is the leading supplier of raw water intake screens and material handling solutions. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about how these two uh, how these two parties have worked together in the past. So, Gary, just to set the scene, uh, give us an idea of the backstory of how you started working with Atlas SSI in New York and the project that you worked on together and what that looked like, what you were trying to accomplish. Well, it all goes down to the, the uh, New York State regulations that we have that required us to improve our fish survival at our facility, our East, generating, uh, East River Generating Station. And in order to do that, we had to upgrade our traveling screens to what they call fish-friendly screens and, and redesign our entire intake structure to accomplish that. So we early on sought out vendors that were capable of doing that, did a lot of... Uh, background checking of their capabilities, did site visits to their facilities and verified that they were uh, competent contractors to be able to supply us with the equipment that we needed. So Gary, as you walk through this process, what you know, what were the concerns that you had and, uh, and what were the concerns that your design team uh, faced when planning the upgrades to your intake structure to comply with these regulations and with these requirements? Well, it was quite a challenge, because in order to uh, improve our fish survival and our, uh, our fish, egg, and larva reduction of going through our power plant, we were uh, pretty much forced into what they call BTA, which is best technology available. And we did a review of different technologies that, uh, that we could use. And we ultimately decided on using fish-friendly dual-flow screens to replace our existing non-fish-friendly dual-flow screens. So that presented a major problem a problem from the, the standpoint, not so much of installing the screens, but supplying the water and the electrical system that was necessary to do that upgrade. Right. The, uh, the intake itself being located across the FDR from the plant uh, had been set up just to run the ordinary screens. Because of 316B and having to flume the uh, the fish and larva back out to the river safely, it needed a lot of additional spray wash water. So there had to be bigger pumps. They put in a new piping system and some new relief valves. And of course, a whole new set of controls was required to be able to operate it remotely out there. Yeah, I think that's real important to point out there, Rodney, and the fact that you know, the old spray systems were a high-pressure, low-volume flow, and the new system was more of a flooding system. So the, right. the magnitude 
computed the amount of water that you needed for the new systems was 10, 12 fold of what they were before. So it really wasn't a screen job as much as it was a pumping job. And because of those increased pump sizes, the amount of electric uh, infrastructure that we had to install was immense. And you mentioned the uh, FDR drive. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in our case, we're not the uh, local rural utility that's generating facility is in lower Manhattan. And the intake structure is on the east side of the FDR drive, which is the main artery on the west side of Manhattan. And our plant is on the west side of that highway. So we actually had to run all of our electrical infrastructure underneath the FDR drive and through our tunnel and get it out to get it out to the intake structure. And that by itself was about a half a mile run. Wow, that sounds like a, an immense project and an, an immense amount of work, honestly. Did the age of the existing dock and intake building factor in at all? And if so, what you know, what kind of challenges did that pose? That really wasn't a challenge in itself. I mean, it was an intake structure that was built in the 40s and 50s. Mm. Uh, The East River Generating Station uh, only consists of units six and seven now. And by implication there, that kind of indicates that units one through five no longer exist. So we had an intake structure that was grossly oversized for what we had left in our generating fleet at that site. So we were in pretty good shape for a minute infrastructure standpoint when it came to the dock itself but it was the the pumps and the electrical that we needed to get out to that structure that presented the challenges right from our standpoint uh, one of our main concerns was to be able to provide screens that would fit within that structure without having to provide any uh, civil modifications to the concrete work out there so we were able to accomplish that with the uh, new fish-friendly dual flows, and we're able to design and install the fiberglass sluicing troughs uh, to fit within the same confines of that uh, intake structure as well. Mm, absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, here in detail in just a second. But uh, Gary, kind of once you had the requirements in place and you started kind of sourcing manufacturers to provide the equipment, what types of criteria did you use to qualify the providers? What were you looking for when it came to uh, making those decisions? I think the biggest word is competency. You know, we uh, we made a point of not only asking for uh, references and history of of past work from all of our vendors, but we also uh, made sure that each and every one of them, the the potential ones and and SSI being the successful one, that they had the the facilities, the people, the infrastructure capable of uh, completing our needs and. I've always told this story of one of SSI's competitors whose name will go unmentioned that they gave us a uh, GPS coordinate of their facility and we ended up in a junkyard. And I always told people that I would have been better off if I stayed in the junkyard than what I actually saw when I got to their facility. So needless to say, they didn't even make the bid list, but you know, those, those site visits to to see the vendor and to see their capabilities was real important of us to get that gut feel that we had somebody that we could work with and that had the capabilities of accomplishing what we needed to accomplish. Yeah, not exactly the best uh, first impression there. Yeah, well, we're we're pretty proud of our facilities here, you know, with the uh, overall square footage we have and the acreage, and we're designed to go from raw material to a finished machine 
So we, we have a pretty impressive manufacturing facility here in Slaughter and in Monticello. Mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate mm -hmm. Gary making the trip to down to, to visit with us. And he also went out and saw several of our installations uh, at some other customers. Absolutely. So, you know, Gary, when it, when it comes to making a decision like this, you, you know, you, you are putting a lot of trust in the people that you decide to work with. So what was it about Atlas SSI that I guess made you feel like you were making the right decision when you decided to partner with them on this project? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the important things at Con Ed is that everything we do, we competitively bid. So, you know, one of the important things was Atlas SSI was the right company with the right price. But, you know, to get to the bid list, to be on that list of, of vendors that you would trust is the most difficult task to, to pass that litmus test. And I hate to say it, but you can look at performers, you can look at facilities, you can look at a lot of things, but it all boils down to your gut and the people that you're dealing with and looking in the eye and summing up whether these are people you want to uh, do business with on a long-term basis because we knew mm -hmm. that once we bought these screens that we were uh, we were have, going to have to partner with them for a very long time. And we appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what design upgrades or screen optimizations came from working with Atlas SSI during that design phase like we were talking about? Well, we pretty much had the design basis down before we even went out to bid. So that portion of the work was pretty much a give us what we need, you know, as far as the screens, as far as the uh, flow capability. But, you know, it was SSI's responsibility to make sure that the guidelines that we were giving them based on the regulations that they could meet, you know, that we could we can have a reduction in fish mortality by the, the friendly screens and the, the sluicing that we talked about, the high pumping rate to flood the fish gently off of the screens and send them back into the river uh, alive and healthy. And also to, to make sure that we could exclude the eggs and larvae, which was the fine mesh screens to make sure that the numbers that we required in order to accomplish that were met by uh, by uh, the, the screens that they installed and, and the seals that they put in to make sure that everything went on the screens and didn't bypass around their uh, rotating equipment because of leaks. Well, we, we tried to design it, just, like I said, to fit within the scope that they wanted and, and like Gary said, make sure that it, it performed properly and, and had all the fish-friendly upgrades that meets best technology available. Mm -hmm. Rodney, from from your perspective, uh, you know this this was a project that came ahead of you know ahead of perhaps federal regulations and, and that sort of thing that that dictated that this needed to happen, right? And so uh, New York State was ahead of the curve in enacting these changes. So was this a project that you had seen similar projects like this before, or was this something that was perhaps a little bit new um, that you had to kind of work through some of the challenges that that came along with it? Right. The uh biggest challenge with the New York regulations was the fine mesh panels that were required for uh, a larva entrainment. We had worked on several projects in Florida uh, that were preemptive moves from new power plants for Florida Power and Light that included uh, fish handling screens and one for uh, Clico Power here in Louisiana uh, that were some pretty big dual flows, 12 foot uh, wide, 36 feet deep. And they also had these the same fish uh, capture and release uh, mechanisms. 
worked with Alabama Power on their Gorga station in the early phases before the rule became final. And in some of that work, we found that removing the fish on the descending side of the screen uh, before the, the high pressure spray wash water uh, affected them was the best way to go. And uh, that ended up becoming part of the final ruling. So we had a, a little bit of experience with it. Our biggest challenge was the extra screening requirements for the fine mesh panels and uh, getting it to seal and not have any bypass. Mm -hmm. Right. So Gary, you know, in this time, you know, you've experienced, uh, you know, damage to two screens due to extraordinary events, Hurricane Sandy and an unprecedented release of sludge from the city's stormwater treatment plant. Can you comment on those two events and the actions taken to prevent uh, damage should these happen again uh, with these particular screens? Now, they're both kind of interesting and unique. It wasn't so much Superstorm Sandy. We survived Superstorm Sandy quite well with the screens. What we didn't survive was the after effects. And the after effects was a tremendous amount of material coming down the Hudson River into the East River that created an almost instantaneous uh, amount of debris and matter, if you will, that was coming up against our screens. And it was a surprise and a challenge because with the old style screens, you can picture a mesh that's three eighths inch in diameter. It's pretty big. And the new screens, the fine mesh panels are essentially what you have on your windows. So, you know, it's an order of magnitude fineness that we created in order to keep fish out and fish uh, eggs and larvae on a normal basis. But what we found out was is that when we have uh, instantaneous reloading, the challenges of being able to clear that material off of our screens quickly uh, didn't materialize, and that's why we had a couple of failures. Hmm. There were a couple of things that were done afterwards. Uh, I believe the controls system was hardwired into the plant so that the control room would get a, a better, faster reading. And Gary, didn't y'all install some larger actuators on the emergency dump doors? Yes, actually, that was one of our biggest challenges. You know, originally we decided that it was best for our control operators to handle any emergency rather than trying to automate anything. And collectively, we thought that was the best decision because the human mind is always better than some kind of automatic system. And one of the uh, risks of, of uh, putting automation in there was that every time we open that dump door, we create a, a situation where we cause debris and fish and a number of other uh, uh, stuff that's in the river to get into our water boxes. And that's a real challenge to try to uh, clean up after you do it. So we originally went with... Um, uh, manual intervention by our operators if there was going to be a problem, but we realized with the first event that it happened so quickly that uh, human intervention was uh, not an option because it happened almost instantaneously. So we went and put a more robust system in that uh, the dump door opens up uh, quicker. The dump door opens up uh, at a reduced uh, level differential so that we can catch up to the event before it actually becomes uh, critical. So that was an effort that we made to, to uh, improve the system, and uh, it, was, it was real 
good from a, uh, a results standpoint after the two events. Yeah, I think uh, I think experiences like that can can teach you a great deal and uh, and help prevent um, issues moving forward. Just when you learn from from those particular situations. So um, the station conducted a study about the effect that uh, zero uh, or excuse me, point zero six millimeter fine mesh panels have on entrainment mortality. Will you tell us about the results of that study a little bit more? Well, first, I got to correct you on the fact that entrainment mortality has never, ever been a uh, a question mark from the the state and the federal government standpoint. Mm-hmm. They, they've always believed that all entrained species, the eggs and larvae that pass through a condenser of a utility power plant, die. There was no science behind that whatsoever. It was just that because of the thermal differential that is created when they go through that heat exchanger, they all must die. So we initially did a study to determine how we would reduce the amount of entrained species that would go through the uh, condensers. And we had to reduce that by about 90%. Mm-hmm. But we simply did a study that looked at all of the entrained species and sized them and came up with the number that was required to uh, to exclude 90% of those eggs. And that sizing was 0.6 millimeters. So that's how we got to the 0.6 millimeters. What's important to note is, is that down the road, we started to challenge the state and say, we do not believe that all of the eggs and larvae that go through our condenser die. And that maybe, in fact, more of the eggs and larvae survive that ride through the condenser than survive going up against our new 0.6 millimeter mesh and getting washed off and sent back to the river. So we embarked on a million dollar study with the help of SSI and a couple of our other consultants and did a study that paralleled both looking at the eggs and larvae that go up against the 0.6 millimeter mesh and looking at the eggs and larvae that go through our condensers and come out to discharge. And the end result of that study was, is that much, much more of the eggs and larvae that passed through our condenser survived and went up against our 0.6 millimeter mesh. So the end result of that study was that we were allowed to remove the mesh that we were required to put on in the first place. Wow. That's a that's a really incredible uh, study that you you undertook, and the, the results are really really interesting. And so that's a that's a particularly fascinating aspect of this to me, Rodney. From your perspective, what what did you think about that study and, and the results? Uh, was that surprising to you? Uh, the amount of survivability in a once through system kind of surprised us because we had fallen under the assumption, like Gary said, that any entrained organism going through a cooler had to be counted as zero mortality and that's just simply Mm -hmm. not true science uh, behind that the other upside to having the fine mesh panels removed is you're not going to have those screens become blinded by debris and material nearly as quickly when you have one of those uh, extraordinary events so it will also help them on reliability and runtime yeah, our risk avoidance yes. uh, went up incrementally. I mean, we, we reduced our risk by an enormous amount by being able to take off the fine panels. And we yeah. got to remember that the basic premise of the whole upgrade that we did was to save fish also. So 
we still needed to do the upgrade. We still needed to install these fish-friendly uh, uh, screens that gently uh, took the fish off of our screen. So it wasn't that it was an all a waste of money. I mean, we did we do save a, an enormous amount of fish on our on our river by having installed that. But when it comes to the eggs and larvae, we were at least able to prove that there is little or no risk of them taking a ride through our condensers. Mm. Right, right, yeah. So guys, as we start to wrap things up, uh, Gary, I, would just, I just want to get your impressions on, you know, how your experience has been working with Atlas SSI on this project. Well, I guess I'll start off by saying I'm from New York and we don't get along with anybody. I've got all that five years, so I think that's enough that by itself. I mean, they've been very supportive of us. They've been supportive of our studies. They've assisted one of the organizations that I belong to or that Con Ed belongs to called the Electric Power Research Institute, which is a, uh, a consortium of utilities that pools money and decides what studies to do in order to, uh, to uh, promote and uh, facilitate the operation of our plants and our entire system for that matter. So so it's EPRI for short, you know, they've helped us with a lot of these studies. That fine mesh study was co-funded by them and they've helped us immensely also, but it wouldn't have happened without the support of SSI too to, to help us through those problems. And Rodney, let's let's flip that question on its head. You know, what's it been like, and, and what have you been what have been your impressions of working with Gary over at Con Ed? And and you know, tell me a little bit more about uh, that experience for you at SSI. Since the very beginning, they've been uh, great to work with. Uh, their entire team was supportive of us and and listened. Uh, we made several pre-installation site survey visits. Uh, they made several visits here. All of the teams got along well and. Uh, we tried to respond as quickly as possible every time they had a need, and uh, we're still doing business, so I think we did okay on that part. And uh, working with a New Yorker wasn't so bad, huh? Not at all. <laughs> well, guys, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to learn a little bit more about this project and how you work together on this uh, to come up with uh, with a great solution and and one that, that benefits everybody here in this case. And so Gary Thorne, Manager of Steam Plant Projects at Con Edison, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. Absolutely. And Rodney Brown, Regional Sales Manager at Atlas SSI. Rodney, thank you for being here, here as well, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode of The Intake brought to you by Atlas SSI. It's been a pleasure getting the opportunity to bring it to you today. Of course, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that you can hear previous episodes of the show and also get future episodes right there as well. We'll be back soon with those future episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.